Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. What, what? Hey, what's going on? Good morning, Vox Community. Do I hear an applause? Yes. Betty's applauding. <laughs> oh, thank you. Clapping. Um, applauding. Is that? The, yeah, thank you. Applauding. Thank you, Daniel. I have terrible vocabulary, and I'm also your creative director here. So don't read anything I write. It's, it's botched. I actually recently, it's funny, I get up here and I feel like I'm doing stand-up. I'm not, it's, I don't do anything good stand-up. But um, I cannot tell you how many typos I've had on the website, <laughs> on print pieces, but it's, I, I'm going to blame um, iPhone. I'm going to blame my computer. Like, I don't know why. I think autocorrect has actually gotten terrible over the past like two years. Because I'll go back. I'm like, there's no way I wrote that. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. So, um, anyhow, yeah, welcome. We're at church. Uh, <laughs> my name is Andy. I'm the creative director here at Vox Community. Uh, you can learn all about us at voxoc.com. Um, you guys, I'm excited uh, about just this year in general. Um, around uh, the table on Tuesdays for our, our leadership team, a lot of our conversations have been kind of around re-education, looking back at the first year when we started this, uh, re-entering some of the conversations that uh, we were really moved by, convicted by. How do we continue to expand upon those things? Um, today, uh, we flew Bonnie out from Austin to come with us. So Bonnie is here with us and uh, she's going to be teaching about uh, peacemaking and I'm just super excited about that. Um, but this is, you know, I, I mean, I am, I'm just genuinely really excited about what, what we're going to do this year. There's a lot of neat things coming, uh, coming our way and uh, more tangibly, obviously, as we get going, we'll get there. Um, I'll answer a question in a bit that, that leads to one of those things. Um, but uh, just to kind of uh, let you know a little bit what's going on, Easter is coming. We're only like a month out. Wait, what's today? today? We're actually in the same month now of Easter. So it's March 4th, and Easter is on April 1st. So it's less than 30 days away now. So it's coming. That Easter bunny is it's coming, and uh, he's going to be at your door with lots of chocolate eggs in a basket, and so be ready for that. Uh, we are good doing our Good Friday service at the Muck here in Fullerton. So um, if you've never heard of the Muckenthaler culture, Center. It's a mansion on like nine acres, like in the middle of Fullerton. Um, I had no idea it existed until this year when we went and visited it. I was like, where did all this land come from? But um, we're going to be uh, doing a Good Friday experience for you guys. Uh, it'll be about two hours long. We're going to spend some time uh, doing community, just socializing, having some appetizers, and then we'll do a bit of a, a liturgy corporate experience. And then it's at, the mansion itself has been converted into an art gallery where we've asked a number of our artists to actually create art pieces that we'll walk through and experience. Um, in addition, we're also, we also invited Hug Church, a new church that started in downtown Fullerton, uh, to join us as well. So they'll be uh, joining us in that next they'll actually curate a couple of those art pieces as well too. Uh, Baptisms. If you're looking to get baptized on Easter, um, you can sign up for that on the website. We would love to baptize you. Um, There's a little bit of a form that we have um, on the website to submit for that. We'd love to talk to you about it and uh, get that going as well too. So um, we have some fun stuff up today. Like I said, Bonnie is going to be teaching. Um, we're actually going to commi- uh, commission a new community pastors today. Uh, so we're going to do that in a minute. Um, oh, one thing I do need to note for you guys. So 
um, Izzy is actually getting married today. So, yep. Right, so she is, uh, she's not here, and she actually won't, she won't be here for a few weeks, so I didn't want you guys to suddenly think like, oh no, now Izzy's gone too, and so it was, it, she is funny, we didn't say anything last week, and so I, I needed to make sure you guys know, like, Izzy's here, she's not going anywhere, she just got married, and then she's going to be honeymooning and, and doing some of that, so... Um, our friend Michael Landingham is here. Uh, he's been with us a couple times. Uh, really love that dude. Appreciate him. So he'll be doing worship with us today. So uh, I have one question uh, to answer that came in through Q&A, and then we'll uh, get the rest of the morning going. Hi, I've noticed there has not been any stories from non-speakers lately. Are we going to get to hear those again? I feel like they bring things to light that help us understand one another better as a community. Correct. Yes. Um, Yes, of course. Um, we're going to do more stories. Um, it's been an interesting couple years uh, doing stories. I'll tell you a little bit about what we've learned. Um, there became a point where I actually had to introduce almost like a separate pastoring team for those who were telling stories because it was such an interesting process. We would seek some folks to, um, you know, and, and, and we've talked about this with how, we, how we've done stories. If you haven't experienced our stories here in the past two years, when we approached doing stories, you know, Vox kind of came out of a reaction to what we've all kind of experienced in other church cultures. And what we didn't want to do was get folks up here that just told a story that kind of had a happy ending and a big red bow, because I think for a lot of us, we just, we have a hard time connecting with that reality. For a lot of us, it just feels like I haven't really reached some big pinnacle in my Christian faith to say, to say I've arrived. I figured it all out. And I guess, you know, give God the glory and, and we're all good here. There was a lot more folks that were like, I'm in this church. It's helpful. I'm struggling with this and I'm going through this process and I'm vulnerable and I'm here and, and you guys are here too. And that's, and that's, that's why we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Honestly, those were the, those were the stories that attracted us most were where that kind of thing was. However, those are very hard stories to find, to be honest. Like folks who were willing to get up here and actually share, hey, this is actually just where I'm at and that's it. Like when I shared my story, um, you know, I just shared how, you know, um, I struggled with anger. And the crazy thing was after two weeks after sharing my story, I actually realized what I struggle with is, um, is disappointment um, and not anger. Anger actually was a symptom of my perpetual fear of disappointment. And I could almost do a whole second story and get up here and share that as well. Um, but my point is that when we would share these stories, for weeks after, a lot of our folks who shared stories would just get hit with tons of you know, spiritual warfare. It's a terminology we use here in the church, um, where they would get depressed, get anxiety, crazy stuff would just start to happen in their lives that was incredibly unexpected. And so we had to actually start putting some folks specifically in place to follow up with them and pray with them for you know, a couple weeks after they had actually shared their stories. And so stories here have been kind of interesting because it hasn't been what has been typical in other places. All that to say... If you would like to share your story, then by all means, email me. You know, we'd love to have you guys come up here and do that. Um, bigger piece of that, though, is uh, I've been working on it for about six months, is that I've always looked at stories up here more as a presentation of who we are in like a very slight snapshot, whereas... I think a lot of the kind of stories we want to tell are a much bigger dialogue. I mean, how often do you sit down with someone for coffee and it's a 45-minute conversation and you walk away feeling like, oh, okay, I actually really kind of understand that person now versus someone for five minutes. I mean, that's to me, that's kind of a pretty big difference. So um, 
my desire is actually to have a whole standalone podcast where we just do that, where we actually have more of a long form podcast where we really get a chance to hear people's story and um, share just kind of where they're at in their life and what that looks like. So um, I'm kind of working on that. So that might be a way that we actually do a much longer version of that type of thing. So no, we're absolutely still interested in in getting to know you guys. That's really what this space is for. So if you're ever interested in just getting up here and just kind of exposing yourself to community, say, I'm here and here's why I'm here. And this is just where I'm at. You know, that's really what's helpful for everybody is to kind of that we all get to know each other that way. So if that's you, then yeah, let's do that. I know Betty and I are working on getting up here and I know she is going to get up here and tell her story. And we've kind of, we've talked about that. So we do have a couple on deck, but by all means, email me at Andy at VoxOC.com or info at VoxOC.com or feedback at VoxOC.com or text us. All of it works. So I'm going to stop rambling now. That's it. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring David out. Yep. When I would stop talking. I was wondering when you were going to stop because <laughs> we're all back there. We almost pulled out the hook. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't need a very big hook. I can listen to you talk all day long, Andy. <laughs> I can. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I want to introduce you guys to these uh, beautiful people. Uh, this is Vox, a community pastor team. Um, it's really exciting to see them, to uh, to know them. Uh, Vox community, over here, guys. Picture, picture. You guys want to do it? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, every year, we, uh, as a leadership team, we kind of scope out people who we have seen in action, um, see them at work, uh, want to um, see those who just display a sense of... Um, hospitality, but also uh, of shepherding. And we've approached each individual here and we've asked them to um, to commit for a year to care for and shepherd um, the flock at Vox. So anytime you um, email us asking to see or talk to a pastor, you will connect with one of these individuals. They all have a desire to shepherd and flock uh, the flock, but um, some of them are returning, which I am amazed that they're back for another year. Um, and some are new, and I love that. And I love that they're called to this. They've they've uh, they've said yes to it. And I want you guys to meet them. So they're gonna I'm gonna hand the mic to them, and they're gonna introduce themselves, um, tell you what they do in an everyday life, um, and they'll let you know if they're returning or if they're new. Hi, I'm Bruce. Um, I'm returning. Um, I'm a marriage family therapist, a photographer, a grandpa. Um, I've really enjoyed this past year. Uh, the, the things I've been able to do, walk alongside some of you. Um, I, I really enjoy that, believe it or not. That is why I'm coming back. Um, and I think we've just started. I think that you can really tap into the resources in this, this group of people, and I, I would want you to do that. So I'm inviting you to do that. I'm Carol, and we go together. Um, <laughs> I am a mom of three adult sons and four grandchildren, and I'm a speech-language pathologist in an elementary school and adjunct lecturer at Cal State Fullerton, and I am very excited to um, be a new community pastor serving among all of you, so thanks. 
Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Carly, and I'm a new community pastor. And I'm just really looking forward to the opportunity to serving you all here in this new role. And outside of my role at Vox, I am an early childhood education specialist. I work for the Orange County Department of Education, providing trainings and coaching to early childhood teachers and administrators. And I'm going for the role of world's greatest auntie as well. So you'll see my nephews running around here with me as well. So happy to serve you. Good morning. My name is Sarah, and I'm a new community pastor, um, wife, mother of three grown children, uh, grandmother of one and one on the way. Um, during my day, I am associate principal of a high school in La Mirada um, and really excited to serve Vox in a new capacity. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Joanna Salt. I am a returning community pastor, and it's been uh, my honor and privilege to walk alongside some of you um, as you're working out your struggles and needing support and clarification. Um, I am wife of Jonathan, um, mother of a whole bunch of grown kids. I've lost track how many. We have step adopted foster, so I think there's six of them in total. Um, yeah, two of everything. Um, grandmother of two and one on the way. So um, I'm really excited to serve, and my day job is I'm a CPA, so that explains the dark circles under my eyes since I'm working 90 hours a week right now, but it's all good. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm Jonathan Salt. Uh, I'm a retired animation artist. Uh, I have a studio at home, and uh, apart from walking the dog and taking care of the house and, and uh, Joanna, uh, every now and then I get to do some more painting. Um, I'm excited about returning as a, a community pastor and looking forward to talking with any one of you who are uh, curious about the Bible, curious about theology, uh, and curious about your future. So, good morning. Morning. My name is Mike. Um, I'm a returning community pastor. Uh, I am married. My wife's name is Kaylee. I have three kids, um, seven, five, and three. And I'm a teacher at Troy High School and a head football coach and uh, excited to serve the community. I'm Heather, and I am a returning community pastor. I am a nurse at Hogue Hospital, and so I've had the opportunity to meet with some of you in the hospital to just pray over you or just to navigate that crazy world because it can be overwhelming if you don't have that background. Um, I'm single with no kids, so I have lots of free time to be there for you guys. <laughs> I'm Rick. I'm a returning pastor. I am also single, so it's a lot of free time. I am a... <laughs> cross-country track and field coach uh and uh this is my evil twin over here we call him steve although i think his name is chad sometimes <laughs> thank you gary um <laughs> my name is chad i'm either returning or new uh to the community pastor world he's giving me five bucks if i said that um, and I wanted to take an opportunity to ask you guys, if, you, uh, if you're tired of your current salary, I'm big into multi-level marketing and triangle schemes, <laughs> so we can meet afterwards, and I can enhance things for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm in sporting goods and, and stuff. And hair replacement. <laughs> hair replacement is uh, in the future. I have nothing else. Okay. <laughs> Wow, I get to follow that, huh? Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, good morning, my fellow Voxers. Uh, my name's Casey. I am a uh, proud father of two. Have a lovely wife, Stephanie. And my day job is I'm a project manager in the construction industry. What the, where, where, where? It's top secret. No. <laughs> I'd actually, a little bit is, uh, yeah, I'm working on the Star Wars land right now. Um, so yeah, J just can't talk to you about it, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, very excited uh, to be able to serve in this capacity. It's very humbling and uh, looking forward to getting to know everyone. So good, so good. I think we're in trouble, you guys. <laughs> I'm going to get emails. Hey, I'm in need, but can you not send these two? <laughs> I also hand out donuts. Okay, yes. Beautiful Yeah. <laughs> so this is your community pastor team. <laughs> No, this is so good, you guys. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's good to have them. They've been such a, just a life support. They've been a, a great group of people. I would go to them, you know. There are people that we want to see invested and speaking into even the future of Vox. So this is a team that is going to be here for you, but it's going to be a team that's also invested in this place. So we're excited to have them. So if you do, if you feel the need that you need to talk to somebody, uh, we do have a website. It's um, info or prayer at voxlc.com. I get that, those, and then I read through them, and then I connect you with the person I feel would be a, a good connect for you. Um, but it's been neat to see them grow, but also connect with you guys and see what God does through that. Um, it's just amazing stories. We had um, one of Heather was our first community pastor to do a funeral, and um, to sit and to watch her do it has been one of the proudest moments of my life because it gets us out of our comfort zone. It gets us into the life of people. It gets us into um, the community. And that funeral was of somebody who doesn't even come to Vox. It's somebody from her work um, that asked her to do the funeral for this, ch this girl's mom. So it was neat to see that community pastoring goes beyond Vox and it goes into the community. And that's what we want to see here at Vox. We want Vox to be a place where people are safe, but we all take ownership of it. And that's the beauty of it. So this is them. We're going to pray over them. If you would like, you don't have to extend a hand towards them as we commission them into ministry um, or recommission them into ministry. But um, I'm excited to see what God's going to do through you guys. And I, I've already seen him do amazing things through you guys. So I'm excited for this year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing group of people that you've called, Father, and that you've gifted to care for the needs of, of your people, Father. Um, uh, it's a heavy load, Father. And at times it's lonely and it's scary, Father. But I pray, God, that you would just anoint them, that you would give them uh, power through your Holy Spirit, God, and that you would use them mightily to reach and to speak into the lives and to listen and to just sit, Father, um, with those who, who need to hear from you. And God, we're excited for this year. We commission them. We ask that your face would shine upon them and that you would give them grace, Father. And Lord, we're excited that they are here. We're excited that they are part of this team. And we're excited that you're calling them into even different areas of this community, Father, um, to reach those and to, and to care for those um, who you've placed in front of them. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for this community. We ask that you, God, that God will go before them. In your name we pray. Everybody says, amen. All right, guys, have a great morning.
Hello. So we're going to do uh, this thing today. Where, by the way, I flew in, so naturally I brought this pocket-sized Bible, which is helpful. Um, I'm going to preach, but I would love it if we could um, engage in conversation together. So ask questions, and you just shout out what you think. Does that sound good? Yay. Um, It's so good to be here, you guys. Um, I have missed you. Texas is good. There was an intro period that was weird for me because you went to um, Target or whatever, and everybody is, like, just moving at a normal pace. And they look at you, and they're like, hi. And I'm like, oh, hi. And um, I was like, is everybody fine here, or do you think people are on stuff? (laughs) And my husband's like, no, I think you're just not used to people being slow and nice. So, um, but we're really enjoying it there, but it's so good to be back with you guys. Um, So today we're going to talk about peacemaking. I think we could probably all agree that the world could use some peace at the moment. So when you think of peace, what do you think of? This is the time. (laughs) Quiet. Yep. What? Yep. Serenity. What was that? No war. Yeah. So actually, if you were to look at peace in the Bible, or excuse me, in the dictionary, it, the actual definition is an absence of war or an absence of conflict. Um, and it's the way we are accustomed to talking about peace is exactly that, sort of this emotional state of serenity, of quiet, of calmness. And I think in one sense, that's true. I think in quite another sense, it becomes a little odd because if you and I are discussing our relationship and what it's like and the definition that you and I describe it to each other or maybe even your relationship with your spouse or me with my spouse or our best friends and we just say like we're at peace because we're not at war with each other, like that sets the bar pretty low, doesn't it? Like, I don't want my relationships to just be defined by the absence of conflict. And so when we look at peace in the Bible, there's actually a much bigger and more comprehensive definition. Because not only is it the absence of conflict, which it is, but it also points us towards something as well. So the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and the Greek word for peace is erene. And both of them actually mean to bring reconciliation, to bring wholeness to a very complex and layered situation. So the idea is active, that to bring peace is to work towards it, is to work for it, to work with one another towards a resolution that leaves something better than it was before. It takes something broken and it makes it whole. And we're not going to go through all the peace verses in the Bible, but there are many that talk about this. Sometimes in the Old Testament, they're talking about peace in terms of a building. The building was finally shalom because the last stone was in place. Or it'll talk about relationships and say it was finally in a state of shalom because 
all these complex layers of people's feelings and emotions and thoughts and ideas and who we are, we're able to come together and reconcile. And so when we talk about being peacemakers in the world, I think we have to take a step back and realize that maybe our custom definition of peace might be missing something very important. And so today, we are going to discuss what that means by sitting in the parable of the talents. Now, before we go there, I realize that probably many of us have heard that parable explained many times. And I also realize that some of us might be like, oh, tune out. Um, But I want to talk about it in a new way. I'm really big on taking scripture that has been preached the same way over and over again and trying to look at it in a new light to bring fresh hope to God and what he's, what he's doing. So if you can turn to Matthew 25, it'll be up here as well, Matthew 14. And the reason why we're sitting here to talk about peace is in my experience, The way that we view God is going to really determine how we go about our life and how we go about peacemaking efforts. Um, As many of you know that we had, our family sort of has a really unique, like, rough patch. Um, And there was a period of time where I I grew up in the church, and I was extremely legalistic for a really long time. And we had this um, awful series of events happen, and the main event during that time was we actually gave birth to our second son as a stillborn. And everything kind of came to a head for me there because I wanted to make peace with the situation, And I realized I couldn't do that because I wasn't at peace with myself, mostly because everything that I thought and believed about God up until that moment, I could no longer reconcile with the situation. And so it was really, really hard because I realized if I have any hope here to make peace with this situation now or 25 years from now, I'm going to have to figure out first what I believe about God. Was he here? Does he know? Did he orchestrate this? Did he allow it? Does it matter? Where is evil in this? And so it was a real inward journey for a long time. A struggle for inward peace that ultimately led to me being able to, and my husband and I being able to do more peacemaking efforts in the world. So I want to share uh, what I think the Bible says about that. So Matthew twenty five fourteen. Um, this is, excuse me, um, in the middle of a section where everybody's asking Jesus what the kingdom of heaven is like, and Jesus is just like. He just, he doesn't play the game. And so everyone's like arguing, you know, like who's going to be first? Am I going to be first? Uh, what's, what's heaven like? And he's so straightforward, you know, they're like, what's heaven like? And he's like, well, it's like this mustard seed. And everyone's like, that's not helpful. 
And if that were me, I would be so annoyed. You know, just tell me, just tell me straight up what it's like. And so when I see that Jesus is answering a question in a very complex and nebulous way, then I'm automatically wary of any interpretation of it that's super straightforward. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he answered it in this roundabout way so that we would immediately just draw a conclusion. And so we're going to go through this. We're going to stop along the way. 14. What will the kingdom of heaven be like? For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. Or entrusted to them his property. So the one thing we know is there's a man. He's obviously wealthy, right? He has property. He owns property. He has servants. And he's going on a trip. So that's what we know. It's the only thing we know about this man. The other thing we know about him is he's obviously generous, right? Because he's going on a journey and he tells his servants who are the lowest of the low in society, you are in charge of everything I have. So to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. So I know that normally this is preached like this. Some people are given super amounts of talent. And then some people like just a little, and then some people struggle bus. And um, I think that that produces a God that plays favorites, right? And God doesn't play favorites. Like, I don't know if we've heard this enough, but let me just be the one to say it again, is the table is super wide and everybody's welcome. And so God doesn't give out things saying, I'm going to set this up in favor of you. God actually plays equal. He loves us all the same. And the word for talent here isn't actually singing and dancing. It actually means money, right? And the word for to each of his ability, it's actually capacity. And so what it's saying is this man, this owner, he entrusted all these servants with his property while he was away. And then he gave each of them this large sum of money. People are like continually trying to decipher how much money, and no one really knows for sure how much that would be, but it would be comparable to like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. A huge sum of money. And so we know that he's generous and we know that he's, he's good. But when we look at it as just talents in terms of like what we can do, that also sets up a picture of God, not only that he plays favorites, um, but that as the story goes on, we'll see that he's this like motivational speaker that is trying to get people to um, do more things and do better to earn their way into his favor. And so anytime we are hearing an interpretation of Jesus that sets him up as a motivational speaker to get you to do more things and then he'll love you, we just have to say no to that. And we have to just look for something different. The end of verse 15. So he gives them each according to their capacity what they can handle. That makes sense to me, right? It's just, this is life. When you're a kid, your capacity to ride a bike is training wheels, 
Once you master that, you have a bigger capacity. Your capacity grows. You can now ride a bike without training wheels. And then it says, and then the master went away. Verse 16. So the man that received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. Okay, so stop there. Are there any rules or guidelines or instructions on what to do with the money? None, right? But something compelled these people, these servants, to do something with it, right? Like they immediately just went out and did it. But the third one, the one who had received the one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So he also chose to do something. Something compelled him as well. He just did something different, right? Verse 19. So after a long time, the master um, of the servants came and settled accounts with them. So after a while, he came home and said, what happened? One went down. What was it like? What'd you do? And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and I have made five talents more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, so I will set you over much. Sorry, this is like, I'm like getting old, I guess. I cannot read this. (laughs) So I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. And also he who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, so I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so they were given this money, each according to their capacity. And then the master came back and said, Well done, your capacity has grown. Right? But look at the scripture. What is the reward? What's the reward? Enter into the joy, right? The reward is not the capacity. The reward isn't you took what I gave you, and so now you just get more stuff. Like, that doesn't sound like Jesus. The reward is the joy of it, and the joy of the master, Um, verse 24 he who had also received the one talent came forward saying master I I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed so I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground here you have what is yours but his master answered him you wicked and slothful servant You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Is there anything before this, what this servant says in this text, or by what the other two servants have done that tell us that the master is actually a hard, mean man? No, there's nothing, right? And obviously the first two weren't afraid of that. That wasn't in their understanding of the master. And what's interesting is that's actually what seems to set the master off. That's actually what makes him mad. In that verse, he says, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. He's basically saying like, really? That's what you think of me. 
you think that I am this person. Well, then you just ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received... I should have received what was my own with interest. And so he's saying, if that's what you thought about me, I would have rather you just given that away and not even dealt with it. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so originally, how we've probably all heard this preached before, is that if you, God gives you these talents, if you don't use the talents, there's like major judgment and wrath. There definitely is judgment in this passage. I mean, we can't escape that, right? But let's talk this out for a second. If the reward is the joy, entering into the joy... What is the judgment? Right. It's missing out on it. The judgment is missing out on it. And if we look back over this again, and we read it carefully again, which we don't have to do today, but maybe when you go home or this week, something to think on is that it seems to me When we read it this way, what sets the master off, like we just talked about, is this incorrect view of him, where the servant could not see this gift that was lavishly given to him as a total gift of grace, just generous and overflowing and abundant, and he could not trust that it was good. And so when he did not trust that it was good, he did nothing with it, and instead he lived in fear it says. And so it seems to me that this passage is a lot more about what we think about the master and the gifts that he gives us, and therefore it dictates how we respond. The first two servants, they believed it was good and believed the master was good and believed in the gift that was set before them, and so immediately it compelled them into action. They went out and they traded. They went out and they saw what was around them. They went out. I mean, you can think of what that means, how they multiplied those talents, but it didn't happen with them and themselves. It happened in the context of community. But the last servant didn't believe that the master was good and had a wrong view of him based on what we know. And so that wrong view compelled him to do nothing and instead to live in fear. And so when we think about peacemaking, I think that this really makes a lot of sense. All of us have a preconceived idea that might be second nature about what we believe to be true about who God is, especially when it comes to evil in the world. I have a friend, and she, um, one of my best friends, she and I have a lot of discussions about these sort of things, and we were talking one day, and she had come to visit me in Austin, and we were talking, and she said, she's on a journey in her faith. And let me just say, as a side note, too, um, a lot of times we hear the, the phrase, oh, you know, he or she is really struggling in her faith. But I just want to... Um, If you're awake and you're paying attention, then questions 
observations, doubts, trying to figure it out, trying to understand, trying to reconcile things, that's normal. That's not a struggle. That's a journey, right? And so she's journeying in her faith, and there's no shame in any of that. I think that that's healthy, and I think it's normal. And so she's, she's on that journey, and we're kind of on that journey together. And she says to me, you know, I, I'm having a hard time reconciling where God was um, during the Vegas shootings or during the Parkland shootings. And we just started talking about it, and I, I realized in that moment that what I wanted God to do in those moments is like, I wanted him to intervene in a way that would protect. So like, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe um, like a force field around something or like lightning bolt the gun out of the hand. Um, Something that was maybe a little more reminiscent of a superhero movie than like Jesus. Um, And I realized that because of that, it was really affecting the way I was interacting in my own life when I came into the context of evil in the world and then also into helping other people who are suffering. And um, the truth is, is the way that we view God and the way that we view evil as a part of this world will really and truly dictate how we go about peacemaking efforts. Because if we think that God maybe orchestrated it, that's going to be different than if we think, okay, the evil is present and God can take good and good can come out of that. And so I don't know what that looks like for you and I'm not here to tell you how to act politically, but in the same example that I'm giving you, you might say, I do believe that God can take good out of that. And so he's going to show you what that looks like then to be a peacemaker, someone that is actually actively stepping in and bringing peace to these dark, complicated places. But I also think for some of us, it's going to start internally, right? Like the part of the story with the poor view and wrong view of God resonates with me extremely, extremely well. I just spent a long time thinking things about God that just weren't true. And it took a really long dark night of the soul to begin to see a different picture of God. And so there are some of us who maybe are ready to be sent, who want to go out and want to be peacemakers and bring reconciliation, who we are those first two servants, right, who trust that God is good. And so when he gives us this gift or we already see this gift of life in front of us, of relationships, that's us. We're ready. We want to go. We want to help. We want to be sent and we want to show up. And then there are some of us who are more like this third servant who look at the gift of life in front of us and just don't really trust it. Who maybe are afraid. Who maybe um, it's hard to enter in. Distrust, anger, hurt. I don't know your personal story, but I do know that when we live like that, we miss out on the joy. See, peacemaking is an active effort because when we are compelled to bring peace because we believe that God is good and that he can take 
anything and bring good out of it, then immediately we take part in what he's already doing and step into the joy of reconciliation. But when we live the other way and we have a view of God that he is not good and we do not trust him, then we miss out. We miss out for ourselves and we miss out on bringing real reconciliation to this complicated thing that we call life. So we're going to have the band come up. They're going to play. I'll come back up for communion. Um, But let's sit in the fact that peacemaking is a journey. It's an inward journey, and it's an outward one. That anytime Jesus said to people, you are healed, go in peace, those people first had an interaction with him. Right? They spent time. There was a, a struggle of sorts there. And um, not only if we skip that step, not only do we miss out on bringing reconciliation to the world, but we miss out on the joy that is the now that he offers us today. One of the reasons that we take communion each week um, is it's the absolute best example we have for reconciliation and wholeness and completeness. And it's also a chance for us to kind of come into that space and to invite um, Jesus into places that feel hard and that feel difficult. So I'm going to pray over us. Uh, We have communion stations around the room as well as people um, to pray with you if that's something that you would like. And um, the gluten-free is still over here if you are gluten-free. So let me pray for you. Lord, we just thank you for your table. We thank you that you don't play favorites, and we thank you that you care a lot about how we view you, that you want us to believe in your goodness, that you want us to trust you. God, I ask that you would come to the places in us that do trust you, that you would compel us forward into peacemaking efforts, but I ask also that you would come into the places where um, we are full of distrust, or fear, and that it stops us from bringing peace to ourselves, from entering into the joy, us and the world. And so we ask that today as we sit and listen or worship or communion, that you would come into those places and just in the way that you do, that you would just gently be present and sort of begin to knock down some of these barriers or false ideas that we have. And I pray that we can be a community that peace makes together. We can come alongside our brothers and sisters who are journeying and just be examples of the good and true gift that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a simple blessing and benediction. Grace and peace be with you. And um, I'll be praying for you this week, and I can't wait to see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.